We all know the expression, money can't buy happiness. That doesn't mean we don't try. Retail therapy is a real thing and a trap you need to be mindful of. I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this issue is CNET's e-commerce reporter, Laura Hatala. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for having me. So tell me about retail therapy. Like, How big of an issue is it? Well, retail therapy is kind of a, a, a catchphrase for, you know, when you're shopping, not just because you need something, but because it makes you feel good. And shopping does release dopamine into your brain. It's a neurotransmitter that just, you know, helps you sense pleasure. Uh, so that is something that drives our behavior. And sometimes it can eat away at your budget and you might end up not having money for things that you care about down the road. Right. And look, we over the pandemic, we saw a huge spike in online shopping and, and not necessarily just for the necessities. So I guess it's debatable. Is it really bad for us to use shopping to lift our spirits? Well, the pandemic was just this, you know, never before experienced thing. And there were a lot of you know, events and experiences that we couldn't spend money on. Uh, so it made sense that people were buying stuff for their yard or their house or what have you. Uh, it has driven uh, a spike in online shopping overall, although it has kind of normalized over the past year or so to be where we probably would have been before the pandemic. So I don't think that it necessarily created unhealthy habits overall, but maybe for some people got a little bit more in the habit of shopping. Definitely. And, you know, if you like, how do you know if you are shopping for the sake of shopping or you are shopping for practical reasons or if you I guess bottom line, how do you sort of get a handle on this notion of retail therapy and whether or not you are actually employing it? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to know is to track your expenses. If it's something that's worrying you, you can start uh, using a budgeting app. Um, there's a, a big range of them. We have a list of them on our website uh, that's pretty current about you know, just how involved, whether you have to enter things manually or just hook up your accounts and it does it for you. Um, so, that, I mean, that's really a good way to know. And also just, you know, are you sweating about a, a debt payment or just are there things you missed out on? Like, you know, your favorite musician came to town and you had to skip the concert. Um, of course, there's uh, much worse problems when people go into more uh, a shopping addiction, and that's much more serious and, and, and involves credit card debt and strained relationships and just sort of an inability to stop. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about shopping addiction in, in a bit, but just sort of like looking at sort of the, the little aspects of it, like in terms of going back to tracking your expenses, do you have a number of apps uh, that you might suggest for how we might tr better track our expenses? Sure. Yeah. Among the apps that our reviewers have looked at are Mint, You Need a Budget, and Pocket Guard. Um, and Mint is pretty passive from what I read on our site. It is, you know, it kind of just draws in the information that categorizes your spending for you. You can go in and correct it if it gets it wrong, but it's kind of, it's showing you the categories of um, expenditures, you know, how much on restaurants, how much on household needs, how much on groceries, that, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, they kind of get progressively more involved. Uh, so some of them, you like enter each th thing manually and others, uh, you know, you're, you're setting goals uh, with the budget. It can help you set financial goals. And it also just helps you know what you're spending your money on, which can be hard to do because it's so easy to shop online. Absolutely. And that's a good segue because your story kind of spells out some of the tricks that these retail sites actually employ to get you to buy things more urgently. Like what are, what are some of these tricks? If you could sort of lay them out just so we know what to look out for. Right. So there's a whole range. Um, 
And a lot of the more common ones involve, of course, those kind of confusingly worded forms that are uh, trying to get you to sign up for marketing emails. And marketing emails, you know, they can, might be able to inform you of a deal or what have you. But if, if you guys are anything like me, there's I have so many. Um, and really unsubscribing from those you know, save you a lot of time and stop you from getting that like, oh, I got I to gotta jump on this deal. Because here's the thing about those deals is these researchers from Princeton monitored websites that had time-limited deals and found lots of cases where the deal was still available once this countdown timer ran out. Um, so it's, you know, you have to be wary. Um, that's another one of the tricks these sites sometimes employ. Uh, they, it's, it may not really be a time-sensitive deal. Um, and the sites are also, um, you know, looking for ways to make you feel pressured to buy right away and to sort of confuse you into perhaps buying something that's a bit more expensive than you meant to. Um, so there's all kinds of things to look out for. And really um, what a psychologist I spoke to suggested was to leave it in your cart for 24 hours. Um, and then if you still want it, you can consider buying it. And also, you know, ask yourself, do you love it or do you just kind of like it? And maybe use that as a guide for whether you really want to follow through with the purchase. No, that, that's good advice. Uh, I guess going back to the idea of shopping addiction, like how, how do you know if you're going from sort of, I guess, more conventional impulse shopping to straight up shopping addiction? Yeah, the signs that psychologists I spoke to said to look out for, in addition to lots of credit card debt, um, is getting into fights with family members, feeling like you have to hide purchases from people. But the biggest red flag is just that if you tried to stop excessive shopping, but you can't, um, that's a really big red flag. And you know, those conversations you've had with those psychologists or therapists, like how do they actually address shopping addiction? Right. So if a patient is coming in for treatment, a lot of therapists will use cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's a, a pretty common therapy technique for dealing with habits uh, that are hard to break and that are affecting your life negatively. It applies to all kinds of things. People use it for eating disorders and shopping addiction and anxiety, just a huge range of issues. Um, and also addiction groups uh, are helpful for a lot of people with shopping addiction, kind of similar to the groups built around other addictions. Um, kind of the biggest issue with shopping addiction, though, is that you can't not shop. Um, most people have to shop in their lives. Um, so the goal is to use those techniques and just kind of some of the, the techniques that help everyone, like budgeting and tracking your expenses, using all of that together to sort of bring your shopping in line with, with what your goals are. So it's, it's a, a little bit tougher in that situation because you, know, you can stop gambling, um, but you, can, you can't really stop shopping. Right. The idea of... Uh... Quitting shopping cold turkey, I guess, is not really a feasible one, right? Right. Well, I mean, any general advice, I mean, for folks who may not be on that spectrum of addiction, but do employ, I guess, retail therapy. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know you mentioned setting goals. Any other advice uh, or thoughts on how folks should either get out of this or just be more mindful, be more present of their situation? Yeah, along the lines of what therapists said, they, they said to watch out for the moods that you find yourself in before you start shopping. For some people, it's boredom or wanting to procrastinate. For other people, it's anxiety and wanting to avoid whatever's causing that anxiety. So just being kind of aware of your mood, and then you can know that that might, is a state that might put you in the mood to shop 
And also more practically speaking, unsubscribing from those marketing emails. And also you can change the personalization settings on your social media and other with your phone carrier as well. So you don't see as many of those really tempting ads that are personalized to your tastes. Um, if that's a step you want to know, some people really like having that personalization. Other people find it creepy. Um, if you're willing to let it go, it, it could definitely help you kind of limit those impulse purchases. That's great advice. Laura, thank you for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you like to heard, please write and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.